Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. Transfer deadline day, which is very, very exciting. Dan here with Michael from the Square Ball. And we've got Phil Hay from The Athletic, who will be telling us all about it. He'll be giving us exclusives, I gather. 100% exclusives in just a minute or two. Some so exclusive, it turned out they didn't happen. Yeah. Or, or they did. <laughs> or maybe something in the middle. Give me some exclusive electrical and roofing news, Michael. I think it's exclusive. I think we've mentioned it previously. Yeah, but there might be somebody tuning in for the first time today and say, what is this news? Tell me what it is. I mean, if it's your first time, you'll be surprised, first of all, that West Yorkshire Electrical sponsor this because I suppose that'll be news to you as well. Yeah. If you've listened to some, you might know that they do, but you might not know about the roofing. Are they the fully accredited electrician based out of West Yorkshire but will cover the whole of Yorkshire and beyond? That's the one, yeah. Oh, crikey. Wow, yeah, yeah. those yeah. guys. And they also do roofing now. Right. They do a lot of solar stuff, which is roof stuff. Is that because they're renewables in, in uh, no, specialists in renewables? Is that <laughs> renewables in specialists. Yeah, yeah, all, are, that, yeah. all that. That was a spoonerism, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so they do so much solar panel work that they don't want to leave your roof in a mess or you get some cowboy in. They'll do it. They've got their own roofers now. That's exciting. But I need to know where to find information about this because you've thrown it all at me and I can't digest it without going onto the internet and reading about these services. Where would I find it? wyelectrical.co.uk Great. There you go. That was done perfectly. And if you are new to the show, it's always this professional. Good. We should say. Well, Phil, hey, it's deadline day. What do you say? Hurrah. Favourite day of the year. Always. It's 10 o'clock on deadline day. We yeah, say. yeah, it is. Yeah, let's, let's definitely, definitely timestamp this. 10, 10.03. Yes, waiting to see if they do anything. Um, and I do think, I'm, I'm aware that there's a bit of chuntering about the way this window has gone. I think it would be fair to say in this window that they haven't been trying not to sign people. Does that make sense? I was just thinking as I was driving in, there were times, certainly in the Bates era, where I took the January deadline week off because it was quite clear they weren't going to do anything. And there were definite periods in that time where you felt as if the club was sort of, I don't know whether you could say actively not trying to sign anybody, but they didn't see much motivation to improve, you know, fairly bang average squads. I, I think... This year it isn't a bang average squad. This season it's been you know, Leeds have been strong team. Um, squad has held up well. There is a gap at right back as we can all see. I don't think it's been a month where they haven't tried to do anything. But we're sitting at uh, ten o'clock on deadline day, still waiting for signing number one to come through the door. What are we going to do with Dan James this deadline day? We normally like to uh, mess him around in some way. Should, yeah. should we send him for a medical somewhere? Yeah, da- Dan James. Well, as it stands, Dan James might be one of the Welshmen welcoming Connor Roberts. If Leeds do actually get Connor Roberts over the line, that's the one that seems to have developed overnight. So talking again about that this morning, been interested in him all month, but I've got to this point without actually doing a right back. And that is very much the priority position for Farker. We saw him yesterday, so we were asking him about transfers and it was very much the same answers to many of the of the same questions. It has boiled down to defensive recruits now from from his point of view. He he wasn't making much of a secret about that, but he was still in that 
kind of grey area, that middle ground of saying, if there's something that we can do, then we will. Um, if there isn't something that we want to do, then we won't. And we'll, we'll plow ahead with the squad as we've got. I do think, and we've been saying all month, I do think a right back makes total sense. I think it needs to be done with Spence and, and Ailing moving on. And given that there are, are fresh talks about Roberts um, as we as we speak, it's clear that that is still very much a priority position. As long as they've tried, Phil, that's the important thing. Because I think fans fans all over the world who, who follow <laughs> Leeds United will want to know as long as they've tried. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all that matters. That's the important yeah. bit. Well, like well when done we were for so, making the effort. When we were so close to signing Cody Gakpo that time. Yes, that's everyone, right. Everyone went, oh, well, well done. Yeah, people appreciated the arrangement of the private jet that didn't fly anybody home. Have we sent a private much. jet to, to Burnley? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Helicopter, probably. Right. Are there any landing strips round about Burnley? Don't talk about people renting private planes in Burnley. It's uh, flown some bad banners in the past. Mm. That's true. That's yeah. true, is that? I, I would guess, it's quite hilly round there, isn't it? I would guess easier to land a, um, a helicopter on the pitch than it is to um, to land a private jet. So a quick car journey, if that one can can get moving. Um, another Welshman added to the added to the crop. Like I say, that he's been on the list all all month. So they, they liked Nico Williams, and I know I'm repeating myself here, but they liked Nico Williams at Nottingham Forest. Nuno decided that Williams was too good to let go, wanted to keep him. Um, Forest are not in a good way, so not really in a position to be bombing out everybody and, and anybody. Um, so that one was kind of off the table. Others like Ben Johnson at West Ham, didn't really get going and West Ham are still very much minded to try and get him on a new contract if they can and what you found and, and this is quite often why clubs um, why it's a bit of brinkmanship why clubs wait until the back end of the window to, to let players go is that Crystal Palace were in for Johnson earlier this week trying to do him permanently West Ham weren't interested in that either um, we'd still like to retain Johnson longer term if they can so it has been a case of waiting for things to, to fall into place. And with Roberts, again, they've, they've had an eye on him. Um, at the moment, Burnley look like they've got a right back coming in from Rennes in France, which obviously opens the door for somebody to go. It's um, pronounced wrong. As, as, <laughs> Mos- as Moscow says it. <laughs> That'll do, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's all getting a bit hello, hello, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but he, he looks like, that looks like he's close for them, you know, so kind of, kind of domino effect. I feel as if, a right back would be enough. You know, if they get a right back and if they do only one player in this window, I'm conscious of what's going on at centre back, but I think if Stroit recovers, no problem. And in a reasonably short time frame, particularly with Creswell back in the picture, then they're okay in that area. And I think it's probably it's probably difficult to manage a squad in which you've got five centre backs fine for position. And dif- given that it's been quite difficult to manage four, when we've seen what's happened with Creswell adding another one to the mix doesn't make that any easier unless, of course, you've got somebody coming in who can can double as a right-back as well. So if they finish the window with somebody like Roberts, I'd be pretty content with that, I think. Do you think doing the right-back would be enough to mollify the wider fan base? Because people will also look at left-back and say, Junior Furpo, Sam Byram, both prone to injury, both seem to be okay at the minute, but you can guarantee tomorrow night, Friday night will come around and uh, Junior starts just, you know, being a bit heavy-legged. Starts limping in the second half and yeah. everybody starts to panic. There have been a few issues in, in this window. One of them is definitely the fact that Premier League clubs more and more, when they send players out, particularly players who they rate um, or, or want to develop, want to know that those players are going to play and that they're, they're going to get minutes. There are some clubs in the Championship in particular who, because a lot of Premier League loanees do go to the Championship, who can promise that? There are some who definitely can't. So if we go back to Fabio Cavallo at Liverpool, Hull were able to say to Liverpool, we will play him. You know, he'll, he'll be in the team. Um, he'll get loads of games, loads of minutes. Fine. Leeds could in no way pretend that Cavallo was going to come in and suddenly Ruta was going to drop out of the team. You know, that just wasn't wasn't going to happen. 
And Liverpool are not stupid. So had Leeds said, oh yeah, yeah, you know, lied and said, yeah, Carvalho play all the time. Liverpool might have thought, don't know if we don't know if we really believe that. So that's one obstacle. Um, you'll have seen the link with the, the um, Japan right back, Hashioka, um, Santroiden in, in Belgium last weekend. It was a slightly strange one, that, because it, it broke early on the Sunday morning and I got in touch with somebody who I, who, who I was pretty sure would know. And they said to me, oh, no, he's going to the Premier League. No, it's basically a done deal with Luton. It still needs to be completely wrapped up. But no, he'll, he'll go to Luton. So that was almost gone before it, it materialised publicly. The stories it's told me from the Leeds end was that they'd really liked him. They were very tempted to do it. They were starting to get paperwork together. He picked up an ankle injury in in a game in Belgium and they were concerned about the risk of recurrence. And let me finish here because I know what you're going to say. But the message basically was they needed players who they could count on to be able to play immediately, you know, and come into the team if they needed them that Farker could call on straight away without any fear of, of them being out for a while. Now, if they say nobody, what you're going to say is, well, they haven't got anybody to play anyway, which would, would be a, a fair point. But obviously, if they do come up with another right back, then you you understand the logic. But anyway, Hashioka, on the basis of injury, and I suspect Luton probably being able to pay more in wages as well, being Premier League club, he went elsewhere. Then you have the challenge of persuading certain players that they're going to play enough, um, never mind the clubs. And you also have other instances like Ben Godfrey, where he is out of the picture, Leeds and others are looking at him. And then suddenly him and Daesh chat over. Uh, he gets a game against Fulham. He's he's back involved at Everton. Everton don't really have the depth to be able to let people go. And that one seems to to fade off the table as well. So it's pretty complicated. And that's without even touching on the fact that Leeds are not in a position in PNS FFP terms to be able to spend a lot of cash. But we keep hearing that as a theme, don't we? I mean, how true is it? I think it is true. Yeah, no, I, I think it is. And you're seeing, particularly in the Premier League, that FFP is starting to be applied more forcefully now and there is a, a prevailing view that that's because of the threat of the independent regulator from the government and clubs in the Premier League as a whole would like to fend that off or to try and fend it off by making the government and others look at them and think actually they are dealing with you know financial excess and they are dealing with mismanagement of accounts and, and everything else and I don't think it's a coincidence at all that Newcastle having had this Saudi takeover and everybody assumed that that would be the beginning of really big spending at, at St. James's Park. And they have spent money and they have invested in a totally different way to, to how it was under Mike Ashley. It's not a coincidence that you get into this window and suddenly people are talking about Keane Trippy being sold, about Newcastle needing to pull in money for FFP reasons. It is very real and it is a it is an obstacle. Fark has spoken about it a lot. Almost every time he's asked about transfers, and again yesterday, He's referred to the position they're in, the, the financial rules that exist, the inability to just spend whatever whatever you want. And I've spoken to, to several people who said in the championship, among clubs who don't have parachute payments and have, who've been there for a while, they are very, very strong on PNS because they think it's about the only thing that lets them compete with Leeds, Leicester, Southampton when they come down. And you have to say that even with PNS, Ipswich aside, nobody is really competing with them. No, and you get a feeling it's going to get more stratified like that, don't you? Very Go, much so. Going forward, because it it feels like the, don't know if you agree, the championship is kind of becoming a little bit more financially homogenised. The people are not pushing the boat out as much. They are being more sensible, finally. And I know that it feels like there's been a bit of a lag in it. Everybody's getting their, their ducks in a row, really, where that's concerned and not taking the risks that we've seen in the past. It's not been a highly dramatic month, has it, no. in the championship at all? Um, I would say that I don't think there are a vast number of signings out there that I've looked at and thought, would have been great if Leeds had done that. David Brooks to Southampton, I really like as a signing. I think that's a really good signing for Southampton. 
Cavallo to Hull is a good one as well. Hull have probably gone for it as much as anybody else in this window. The, the, I think they're definitely getting a sniff of the playoffs at Hull and thinking that 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 might be that might be there for them. Certainly, is you know opportunity to get in in them and then then see what happens. But there hasn't been massive expenditure. And you know, I was reading this morning about Brozier down at, at Chelsea. The fact that loan fee for him will be about five million pounds, which is you know. I wouldn't expect him to go to the championship. I would think he would be a Premier League loanee. But even so, you know, if if like Cavallo, he, he's desperate for a game or he needs to find somewhere somewhere to go, that is beyond. Certainly in January, that's beyond the stretch of most championship clubs to pay. You know, mm. it's a, it's a lot of money. And so you were asking whether or not the picture we're seeing in the championship at the moment with relegated teams then looking so strong is is going to continue and and perhaps get even more vivid. I think it probably will. Farker did touch on the um, the financial fair play position, as you said in his, his most recent press conference, Phil. And the the reference there was to the amount of loanees that we've got. I, I suppose the implication there was it that we would have probably sold one or two of those players to give ourselves more headroom. Is that about the thrust of it? Absolutely, it? Yeah. because that's what happened at Southampton, and that's what happened at Leicester. Um, Leicester were able to sell Harvey Barnes, James Madison big money which also made them a very very big profit um, which is which is crucial for the way in which you balance your accounts for, for FFP and and more to the point depending on how you choose to bank it and, and choose to book it can help you with the immediate season ahead Southampton likewise were able to sell a lot of players and to pull money in Leeds didn't do a huge amount because they couldn't partly because players were entitled to go on loan when, when Leeds got relegated partly because there weren't that many players who they wanted to sell and, and get rid of who they would have made a profit on. So they would have been booking a loss and that would have made the FFP position more difficult again and would have restricted the you know how much they were able to do in the transfer market. So yes, if, if they'd been able to pull in 20 million quid in profit for Aronson, 10 million quid in profit for Robin Koch, you know, on and on and on, all these players, rather than merely pulling in 20 million pounds for Tyler Adams, which can't have, or, you know, slightly in excess, but can't have made a significant profit on that at all. Then it might have been might have been different, but that hasn't helped them. It has cut the wage bill. Mm. It did significantly cut the wage bill. I think the wage bill was was virtually halved, or the monthly payments from from what I was told at the start of the season. That was a big decrease. But when it came to hard cash coming in in transfer fees, there there wasn't enough. There wasn't there wasn't much. And we had a lot of outgoings in the summer. It feels like we're making excuses for the lack of activity, but I think it's probably important to spell out the the position is that I think as it was relayed or as, as it was understood. We paid out about fifty million quid in transfer fees for previous signings in the summer, didn't we? It's it's the um, the staggered payments that yeah. that pretty much apply to to every deal. So if you take Hashioka, for example, the the fee that was reported at, at Luton was about two million euros. Um, so if you're spreading that across, you know, a kind of p- payment plan, if you want to call it that, but that that's effectively what it is across a number of years. It's not actually a massive outlay for each payment. You know, um, it's it's the sort of cash that even in the championship, you can manage at this time of year. In terms of the, the lack of activity, how much were we expecting anyway, really, at, at the start of the window? If, if they if they were to go out of this window without anything and not to do anything at right back, then I would understand the anxiety and the paranoia about that, the, the kind of suspicion that that might catch up on them at some point and they might be left to, to rue it. But I'm really not sure how much else I expected them to do. I think the incomings are balanced by the outgoings, though, as well, because at, at- no, it's not long ago that we thought we had Spence and Ailing as as a right back cover. So maybe and, and would, Cody Drame, 
that was a very long time ago. But yeah, there was a point where you thought, well, we're actually fairly well covered there. Maybe in the window we're looking for a number 10, but then we've since discovered Root as a 10 and sold all the right backs. So it, it, <laughs> the picture has changed. Um, Spence, I will give you absolutely. And yes, they have lost a right back at Ailing, but I really don't remember people crowing much for Ailing to be playing before Christmas. And he, you know, he was, he was a long way from, certainly from the starting lineup in, in Farker's view, which is not to say that they can you know, they, they should be running with the number of right-backs they have at the moment. They do need more there. I think one one would be enough. I think they're conscious as well that they do want to give Archie Gray game time and that isn't his position, but it is still minutes on the pitch for him and it does still help with his his development. Had there been no resolution with Creswell or had Creswell gone or if, if the strike injury was more serious than it seems to be? When we spoke to Farke yesterday, he said he thought it would be two weeks probably before strike was back in Full training, but that the this injection therapy, as you put it, seems to have gone pretty well, and he, he's back doing doing individual training. That doesn't sound like it's going to be a massive problem. So again, I I wouldn't have been looking in these circumstances. I wouldn't have been expecting much at, at centre back, left back. You're right. If there's an injury to Furpo or Byram, it becomes a problem. But I think you're in the same territory there, aren't you? That anybody coming in, you're saying to them, look, if those two are fit, then you're probably not playing, and it's not much of a it's not much of a sell, and it does tend to be quite difficult when you're going well. You know, it's not, not always not always easy. But I think there are right-backs out there that they could take, Roberts being one of them. A lot of people this morning seem to think that that has got legs now. So we will see, we will see. But it would it would just make sense. It would just be sensible. Do we now have a bit of a problem with depth in terms of once you get beyond the first-team squad? Because we've seen the under-21s take a couple of pastings. Well, I, I ended up 3-1 at Sunderland, but the, at one point it looked like it was going to happen again. But, it's, you know, 10 goals conceded. And there's not a lot in there at the moment that you look at and you see as potential for moving into the first team. No, I agree with that. The, the, the 21s have not drawn a lot of attention this season. And I think part of the reason for that is that Archie Gray has moved up now comprehensively. You know, he is just a first team player. I don't expect to see him play for the 21s again unless he's coming back from, from injury and needing some games. And there isn't a lot in the 21s that, as you said, you're looking at and thinking they look like they may be ready to to push through. So when it comes to right back, okay, Gray is playing there, but he's a centre mid. There isn't like a young right back that you would say, yeah, okay, you you step in. It's strange, you know, Drammy, Drammy was a long time ago now when, when he went to Birmingham, but he'd done well with Luton in the championship and, you know, he'd, he'd done well when he'd been out previously at Cardiff. It just didn't seem to, just didn't seem to be the right fit for Farker. And you have to say with Farker, he, you know, when he's made decisions with players, he's he's made decisions. Held has gone, gone to Sunderland again, has not been in the picture at all right the way through the season. And I think, we touched on this previously, but the the crop of academy players that they paid for, you know, the, the, the older academy players, kind of late teens who they paid for, the Gellharts and so on, some of them have worked out. Strike, Somerville, quite a lot of them haven't. And, you know, JB going to Plymouth, um, Held are now moving on to Sunderland. There are quite a few that they... They did invest a bit in that, that haven't paid off. And it, it hasn't, at the moment, in first-team terms, it hasn't left a huge amount under the surface. Sonny Perkins, the one name in the under-21s that does stand out because you go, oh yeah, him. He was going to be good at one point. But he can't, he can't go anywhere else, can he? Because he's played for two clubs this no, season. No, that's that's right. Mm. Um, and again, a player who took quite a lot of effort to sign. And you already think like the, the, the future for him at Leeds doesn't look wide and glorious, particularly. Um, it's not to say that it can't change. But he's not somebody who Fark is going to rely on at any stage this season. He's not going to play for the first team. That goes without saying, I think. Uh, so, yeah, um, so I think in this window, it had to be players coming in from, from the outside. As I say, with the picture as it is now, if they got a good right back in, I think they'd have done the minimum that they had to do 
if you know what I mean. And I think in most other positions, I do get the argument that you might well have been signing people who you weren't really going to use. Is there, I don't know, is there a a thought process perhaps going on behind the scenes where they are preferring loans because they've got one eye on potential promotion or not being lumbered with players, and I say lumbered with in a very sort of loose sense, lumbered with players who maybe aren't good enough to make the step up if they do get up. Are they guilty of looking too far down the road? Do we have to get I, there first? Or? I, I don't think it's so much that as not having the money to do big transfer fees or the financial fair play wriggle room to do big transfer fees. I think financially there's a limit to how far they can push themselves. So whereas with Hashioka, as I was saying, you know, two million euros and in, in structured payments is not a vast amount of cash. You know, you, that that you can manage. But if you're getting into the realms of an Ampadu or a Piru or anything like that, you know, that is far more chunky, far more substantial. If you then start looking to players who are actually proven at Premier League level, then you're talking far more money again. I mean, transfer fees in the Premier League now just seem to start at around about 15 to 20 million quid, you know, for anybody who, who would be able to um, to float at that level. You'll have seen the um, midfielder from Blackburn, Walton, going to Crystal Palace, 22 million pounds for that. You know, the numbers are just going up and up and up. So I think in this window, okay, Hashioka is over in, in Belgium, but most of the players they've been linked to, most of the players that they've thought about seem to be loanees that can come from the Premier League, which means that there's obviously a wage uh, wage recovery that the parent club will look for and you have to pay. You've got to pick up part or, or all of their salary. But not all of these players will involve loan fees. Sometimes the loan fees will be fairly modest, so again, pretty manageable. It's kind of affordable. And, and again, if you look through the championship, there hasn't been a huge amount spent on actual permanent transfer fees. There have been a lot of loans, which is, is not too much of of a surprise. I meant to mention, actually, did you see that Vyman's gone from Bristol City? No way. Yeah. Can you believe it? However, he's not bailed out of the championship because he's gone to West Brom. Really? That's a, yes. Not a strange move, but yeah, it's, it feels... Is it a sideways move? I don't know. Um, maybe sli- sideways and up, slightly? Marginally up. Yeah, it's not a huge leap up, is it? When you can't, you do expect when players leave the championship because it is becoming so homogenised that yeah. they almost will. But I guess... I can't, I can't every, remember whether Vyman fell into your grizzled category or whether he fell into the I think has been at Bristol City for a million years. Why, I don't know, Vyman. He, he perhaps struck me as um, fancy grizzled, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Slightly yeah, fan, that fancy seems, grizzled. That seems fair. Early promise becoming grizzled. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's where it went. Eventually defaulting to at grizzled. some point he thought he could he thought he could move on and do better things. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Because now, now firmly grizzled. <laughs> West Brom fifth and. Bristol City are, where are they? In the Very table? much mid-table. 13th. So yes. Eight places he's gone up the ladder there. Yeah. Oh, Quite wow. a good move, really. Yeah, just actually, with regards to wages and the, the lack of FFP headroom, Yelda's gone out, Jenkins, Ailing, Spence. Who else has, have we lost this month? Anybody else? Or is that the lot? Um, I believe that's everybody. Yeah. No, yeah. It's quite a significant chunk of wages, isn't it? Spence and Ailing in particular. Jenkins and Helder. I mean, Helder wouldn't have been on tiny money but Helder and Jenkins are not going to clear the way for you to sign somebody expensive from the Premier League Spence different Ailing will have been on a, a good wage as well haven't been at Leeds for, for a while and, and gone through gone through contracts so it does definitely free free some up which is why if they were to do Connor Roberts today for example you're able to do that because there is there is some flexibility and there is some room on the wage bill I mean even 20 grand a week which you got is a, probably a fairly average championship salary we, you know, if Vielder got his, when did he get his, his contract renewal? Did he get one? And was it in the Premier League? Because if even if he's on twenty grand a week, it's still a million quid. 
He only signed, um, well, it was two or three years ago now. But coming down from Celtic, and, he, and Leeds were a Premier League club at the time, it'll have been a, a decent a decent amount. How much it is, I don't know, um, yeah. is, the, is the honest answer. But you have to remember that wages in the Premier League are going up and up and up too, um, and are getting really steep. And if a club in the Premier League is loaning somebody out, is willing to do a kind of wage deal, um, whereby you, you pay a portion of it, then fine. But if, um, if they want the whole salary covered, which in quite a lot of instances they do, then you need to find a lot of money for that. It's like Spence is the one you, you would imagine yes, would be, very, be quite very expensive. So, yeah. if, again, if, it, if it's 40 grand a week, you're then talking 2 million quid. If it's 50 grand, you know, so on, yeah. you're talking 2.5 million. So it's not, they're not amounts to be sniffed at when you actually start to tally them up, are they? If it gives no, you that, all. If it gives you the, the capacity to bring in one or two for the rest of the season. The, then... the figures in football are hideous, yeah. No, it's it, massive amounts of money sloshing about all over the place. Mm. And that's just at the Athletic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. With reference to Bristol, we go there tomorrow. Yes. What time are you setting off? Um, well, I've got a hotel, so I'll... Bloody athletic money. Yeah, just, just, just riding the gravy timing. train. Better, uh, better, to, better than the BBC, was, isn't it? You, you, you flying down as well? A uh, helicopter, I was, yeah. was going to say, you yeah. referenced the helicopter, it's because it was in your mind. Yeah, once Connor Roberts is finished with it, I'll, um, I'll jump in and, <laughs> and wing down to uh, to the Avon. Yeah, I'll, I don't know, I'll go about midday, get checked in. Look at that, what yeah. a life. Yeah. Are you driving? I'll drive you. Yeah, you drive. Well, that's yeah. gonna be sure. Sure, first. What, what time do you pick? Yeah, <laughs> what time do you gonna pick you up? Is what I was gonna say, but you beat me to the punch. Yeah. Um, do we need to win this game? It's. I'm just looking at the other fixtures. Yes. All right, fair enough. Uh, no, I'm just looking at the other fixtures. Uh, Ipswich face Preston, which I think is it could be quite difficult for them if Preston. Uh, our recent experience with them is anything to go by, but I'm sure Preston will just do that thing of, of rolling over and having the tummies tickled. They look, they do a look change with the referees though as well. Yeah, I've been so hard done. So. And hopefully the conditions are more uh, optimal. And and the wind. There's no wind that causes them to concede penalties. Hands did you, and all did that. you see those comments this week? I did. Ryan yes. Lowe, yeah. Did you? Do you think the wind caused that penalty? No. No. <laughs> do, you think it, do you think it hit in his hand caused the penalty? I think it may have done. Yeah, I, think, I think there's a chance. Uh, Southampton have got Rotherham away, which you would expect them to win, all things being equal. But you never know in this league, do you? Sometimes funny things can happen. But 
it would be a, quite a notable thing, I think, for Leeds, even for a, a short while to move into second place because then you really start to feel like it's on. And even though they've closed the gap, there are games in hand elsewhere. I still don't think there's going to be... I don't think there's going to be much breathing space when it comes to the number of games Leeds can lose or the number of points they can drop before the, the end of the season. I think I'm put themselves in this position. Yeah, they do need to win at Ashton Gate, partly because it's against... I, I don't think Bristol City are a bad team at all, but it's against the mid-table side. So you fancy yourself on on that basis. And you do need to keep putting the, the pressure on. Don't forget that Southampton are on this run of games. We're, we're you know, being unbeaten for such a long time. Yeah, they need to grow up. Grow up and just, um, just let it all fall apart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they, you know, they feel like the threat for second place, don't they? As I say, I think Brooks is a really good sign for them. Um, I think think he'll he'll make a difference. I, I will I will just direct people. And I did mention this to you yesterday, but to the report that our Leicester writer Rob Tanner did um, from their game against Swansea in in midweek. Is this about the crowds on? on yeah. yeah, I mentioned it on they, the show. I mentioned it on you? the show this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, they 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 absolutely swatted Swansea aside. Comfortable, comfortable win. They're one point off. 70 they're on for 109 points at the moment and the piece is basically talking about the grumbling in the crowd about the way they play and also the lack of transfers and everything else we like you winning but not like that <laughs> it seemed to be the gist of it I mean there was a comment underneath which I was having a laugh at which seemed to say we might win a lot of games but we don't win them by scoring enough goals or something like that and there will obviously with Maresca there will come a pressure point where his football gets seriously tested if they go up. And I did think, looking at them against Leeds, that the way they were playing and, and trying to play out from the back, press them hard enough and, and press them with better players and with you know more elite squads. And, and and they would improve over the summer. But you could see that developing into, into a problem. But there does seem to be quite a lot of grumbling about you know lateral passing, going backwards, this, that and the other. Despite the fact that they're almost qualified for the playoffs, you would think, and are basically going up top two. Strange. No one's happy in football, are they? As Rob said when we discussed this on the show this week. No. No one's happy. Entertainment's kind of intangible, isn't it? You know, people want to see really good football, but then you have to be winning. Otherwise, really good football gets very annoying very quickly if you're not winning. And you can have both. Um, it's, it's bad like it's, pe- quite hard to, people, it's quite hard to find that sweet spot. Griping at Farker for our style of football. And it has been quite boring at times, but I've also conditioned myself to understand that this is how you win games by, are, con- by controlling them. There are boring periods during matches, aren't there? Or bo- if boring's the right word, there are flat periods where it's not hell for leather and it's not going for the for the jugular. But it's been very effective, and there have equally been periods in the game in the games where it's been extremely engaging. But that, that's all. It's all influenced by what's happening above us, isn't it? And I know, like with Ipswich and Southampton, we're, we're starting to really squeeze that down. Yeah. Which you know, we've got to say absolute credit to Leeds for having reeled them in off the uh, off the back of what was a fairly mediocre start. I, I was trying hard to write this in the Norwich piece to say that you've got Southampton who, you know, unbeaten in 20. So they're, they're best, their best run of form um, in the league for 100 years or more, 120 years, something like that. 100 years, I think. You've got Ipswich who are in the position they're in, points tally they're in. You've got Leicester who are, as I say, on for well over 100 points at the moment. And Leeds have, have kept in touch. And I think it's quite easy to underestimate how difficult that's been or, or how good leads have had to be. And it did interest me that on both expected goals front, certainly last time I looked, and I right, haven't looked here, since the game. Yeah, I'm just setting you up for the home and away table, I've, which we haven't had yet. I've got it open on my laptop. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought? But on both fronts, when I looked, and I think it was for the after the Norwich game, Leeds had the best stats on, you know, up front and and at the back. Certainly from expected goals, and I don't expect the goals and not actual goals. But 
they have been a really good team. And it does make me think that, sadly for the Championship, it is now, it's boiled down to this stage where the only point of the Championship is to get out of it. And that is how a lot of people look at it. And once you start to get the feeling that you might get out of it, automatically you start to look ahead and to think, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, You know, how is this going to work in the Premier League? What are you going to have to do if you go up? And let's not pretend that the summers aren't quick and quick and sharp and you've got a lot to do in a short period of time. But it was it was one of the beauties of the season when Leeds were promoted, wasn't it? Was that you felt like you were able to enjoy it and immerse yourself in it. But Farkin made a looking fit. back on it. Yeah, well, yeah, no, probably pro- probably true, but I don't know. There, there were periods where it was just magical to be to be in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. But Farkin made a good point yesterday where he said, in comparison to that season, we're better off in terms of points <laughs> after a certain number of games. And how do you argue with that? The the one argument I think you can make is that this is probably a stronger starting lineup. I don't even think probably actually stronger starting lineup in comparison to most of what's in the championship than Bielsa's was. I don't think that's in dispute, and probably more valuable in terms of like underlying player valuations and, and everything else. But the fact remains that they are ahead of where they were in that season, which was a fantastic season. It's got a strange shape to it at the end of this season because seventeen games left, and you said, "Do we need to win this?" And the answer is kind of yes for all 17, isn't it? Because of the shape of the table. Yeah, I think because, it is. Because yeah. everyone keeps winning. Yeah. It's weird that not, so normally with this many games left, you'd go, oh, well, you kind of, you take a point there, take a point there, take a point there. But having played Leicester, Southampton, Ipswich away, you look at the remaining 17 and go, yeah, we just win them all. Yeah, my, my, opt- my optimis- optimism is rooted in us going on a run like that, I think. Whether that's realistic or unrealistic, a I don't know. Seventeen game winning streak, not necessarily a winning streak. <laughs> I know, but in fact, Mark, we're already on one. But maybe we, I don't know, we we drop a couple of points here and there. Mm-hmm. Like I, I look at this Bristol game, and I think you know, a point might not be abysmal, but in in the overall, like you said, the overall shape of the table suggests that you need to win it. But I don't know, I don't know why. But I've, I've, I've it's probably just me indulging in self talk to try and convince myself that everything's going to be all right. But I've convinced myself that Farker's approach to this season has being geared around the running because I don't know if it's because he keeps mentioning it in terms of I'll yeah. look at the table with six, seven games to go, that kind of thing is that he's kind of playing the long game and I think, ah, that's that's where we'll come good. When did we last talk about seventh place? You know, the gap to seventh place and whether that's comfortable or whatever else. It must be weeks and weeks ago, if not months, because it, it has been comfortable for, the, for a long time. So nobody... We are 14 points clear of that, by the way. Yeah, so on that basis, nobody is sitting saying... Playoffs nailed on? Yeah, yeah. Um, and nobody, nobody's saying, oh, right, okay, so with getting close to securing the playoffs, that's really good. People do think that the playoffs are inevitable because it would be it would need a, a fairly extraordinary collapse from, from this point. So when you're saying a point Bristol might be all right, it's not really, is it? Because everybody's looking at is second place. And I think this becomes a game that, that you have to have to win. I think there will be fixtures that come round. So, for example, Leicester, when they come to, to Ellen Road, where you think to yourself, if you take a point from that, you would settle for it because it's quite easily a game you could you could lose. Southampton at home is totally different because it just happens to be the last game of the season. So, you know, what's needed from that what depends that, entirely what's that on... What's going to be like? Yeah, big, one, one big hit. Well, it could be the game to end all games or it could be that everything is wrapped up and decided by that point anyway and it's um, it's a, a bit of a, a waste of time and, and a dead rubber but Michael I think is absolutely right that there are not going to be many if any fixtures now before the end of the season where people are going to go to them saying I'd take a point from this unless Leeds get themselves into a position where they hold second place and they have a bit of a cushion and you can afford to to drop points for as long as you're chasing 
he don't dare drop anything. Just looking at the table, there's only, we've got Coventry to go to who are currently in sixth position. And then you've got to go down What's to... What's that home form like? I don't know, mate. Wouldn't, wouldn't know how to check. If you were to put their, their all their home games into like a table, yeah. Where, if someone was they... to invent a website, where you could, I mean, I, th- could I would say they probably played about fifteen at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, only lost one, which is quite interesting. But oh, they do okay. draw a lot at home. Mm-hmm. I think they got about twenty six points from those those uh, okay. fifteen games. But I mean, I'd have to check. That's not a bad return, though. Yeah. This period coming up though is really important because it is through February they will ditch quite a few long and hard away trips and. If they can, games they should win, games they should take points from, but games which I think are made more difficult by the schedule and by some of the kickoff times and and everything else. We wrote earlier this week about it. Leeds are going to fly to, I think, all of these games to limit the traveling travel time. And I think particularly, and if you speak to fitness and conditioning people, they always talk about this to, to make sure that the sleep patterns are pretty regular on the way home. So rather than a six-hour bus drive back from Plymouth, you can get home or you can fly back in, I don't know, an hour, so you're in bed at a kind of sensible time. And someone I was speaking to, a guy called Callum Walsh, he said, you know, players have the need that adrenaline dump after full time anyway. So even for a home game, most of them won't end up in bed until 12, one o'clock when it's all, it's all kind of died down. So that will make it easier in theory. But I think if they come through these games in really good shape, then they'll be in a great position for the running. I used to get that adrenaline dump when I'd done the radio back in the day when I had that job mm. before I got fired. <laughs> Whereas today you're going straight home to bed at 11am. It was weird, like I couldn't, having done like three hours of that, when I finished, I was like, I was completely hyped, especially if I'd had coffee like during the show, because yeah. you're so switched on and so focused. And obviously that there's, it's a different level completely again, because they're feeding off the energy of thousands yeah. of people in the stadium out there. It's but, like that when you've been out of game, isn't it, for a yeah. night game? Yes, particularly, yes. particularly if it's been an exciting one where you, you kind of, Still knocking around the house at 1am, kind of going. Yeah. Well, it's the same for us because we all, all walk to deadlines and, um, you know, you're typing away trying to get your stuff done. Um, so under pressure with that. And then when you finish, yeah, it's, it does take an hour or so at least to, well, I'm, to what I'm saying wind is, down. It's a difficult life they've got. He did say, <laughs> Callum that I spoke to did say, I don't want to come across all woe is me, but what I am saying to you is that if you have a regular sleep pattern, it's much better for your mental state and your focus and, you know, fatigue and everything else. Um, which is the reason why why they do it. I don't think there's any evidence that flying necessarily limits injury risk or anything like that, or no conclusive proof, but it certainly helps on that front. Yeah, the father of twins sat in the room will uh, verify that <laughs> sleep patterns are very important. I, I got a method in the early days. Yeah. They, they actually have they did sleep pretty well from about six months, but yeah, that first six months. Oh. Challenging. 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 Very, very challenging. A, a never again moment, yeah. No. Absolutely not. Right, well, we'll wrap it up there then. Final thing is predictions. What I've been doing since, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Behave. Predictions. Never mind predicting what will happen at Bristol. Win, lose or draw, one of the three. Transfers. Roberts, do you think? Well, at this point, I have to put, if, if there's one coming in, I would have to put money on Roberts, given what's going on this morning. Yes. So we look forward um, to this being hideous, but I'll just hideously say it's, out of It's date. now, having been three minutes past 10, it's now uh, 10.44. Yep. So there's um, 12 hours fully to go. Goodness, that's exciting, isn't it? Well, I look forward to us having to hastily hop back on. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was it last year that we did that? Where we'd like, oh, every for year. Christ's sake, we've met, they've, they've done some stuff. Was it the non-tour? The non-tour year? The Gakpo? Yes, it could have been. Was it that window? Yeah, it might well have been. Full bambadying. Yeah. Anyway, let's, fun that was. let's hope we don't do that again. But um, yeah, we'll catch up on the other side of it. We'll get together on, uh, on Monday, if not before, to discuss what happened at Bristol. And uh, we'll speak to you then. The Square Ball Podcast. 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.